Well, it was an exciting week. Uh, the staff went and saw the campers on Monday, but so much happened even after that. And watching the recap videos on social media and getting to talk to Truett during the week, it was just so wonderful to hear God moving in such dramatic ways. And um, our students will be here in mass in the second service. We're excited about that and uh, worshiping together with all of them. Uh, what Jesus said is true whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. In every part of our life, he frees us so that we don't have to walk anymore in past guilt and shame and condemnation and wondering if we are loved and if we could ever be free. He is the one who truly frees us indeed. And the thing is, no one, as we've said in this series, no one can live under the crushing weight of guilt and shame and condemnation and rejection and resentment. And bit- You can't live under that. No one can. And so those who have not come to Christ to be free from that are looking desperately for something. And sadly, those somethings out there only increase the weight. They only make it heavier. They only increase the guilt and the shame. And so it's sad. Uh, Our hearts as believers break for those who are still carrying the weight and don't know what it means to truly be set free. But when we begin to be free at the deepest level of who we are, then that freedom begins to spill over into other parts of our life. It spills over into our our mind and our thoughts. It spills over into our emotions. And soon we begin to experience greater freedom in how we think, how we feel, how we choose our activities, our behaviors. Even in our body, we begin to experience even greater freedom. And I think this is what Jesus was meaning when he said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's greater and greater freedom. So today, um, I want us to think about what it means that this is freedom. You're going to hear the story today of a young man who God is working in. And he and his wife are going to be baptized here at the end of this service. So you have that to look forward to today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Amen. But to help set all this up for us today, I want to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through 18 is where we're going to be today. And the scripture helps us understand, of course, where we are, what God is, and who he is, what he has for us, what he does for us. But the scripture also helps us understand those who are still not free. And the Apostle Paul is writing here in 2 Corinthians, and he's writing out of sadness for his own people, the Jews, who have not come to see Jesus as the Messiah yet. In other words, they are not free. And so Paul's going to walk through a, a passage here with us to help us understand what it's like, to remind us what it's like when you're not free. Paul's writing about the Jews, but you and I can apply this because you and I know people in our families, in our friend groups, in our work, in our community that are not free. You know them. You know that they're walking in struggles. You know that they have not yet yielded their life to Jesus and received all that he has for them. Amen? We all know those folks. And our heart breaks for them. And you know what it's like to talk to someone who's not free. Because you start talking to them, and they just stare at you. Now, have y'all ever heard the phrase, looking at a gate 
a new gate like a calf, like a calf looking at a new gate. Have you heard that before? Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Like a calf looking at a new gate. Okay, it's mostly the older folks in the room. I'm with you. It's this unusual phrase. Yeah, I'm sorry to put all of us in the older group. I'm putting myself in that, right? <clears throat> I, I said that recently in a group, and they all looked at me like a calf looking at a new gate. So, but the idea is that if you put a, a calf, a young cow, looking at a brand new gate, he's never seen it before, he doesn't know what that thing is. He doesn't have a, a catalog to research back through and say, oh, gate, oh, that's a new gate. Haven't seen that gate before. And that gate provides openness to the next pasture. Calves don't do that. They don't know that. So they just stare at it like, what is that? Sometimes people who are not yet free, when you try to talk to them about Jesus, when you try to talk to them about truth, they just stare at you like a calf looking at a new gate like, what? What are you talking about, right? They don't know that what you're offering them is open pasture. They don't know that what you're talking about will lead them into a brand new place where there's food they've never eaten before, spiritual food, where there's life they've never experienced before. And so Paul's going to help us understand what it's like for people who are not yet free. So he starts in verse 14, and I'm going to take some pieces here from 14 and another verse, and we're going to move on into the passage. But in 14, he says, here's the deal. He says, they, their minds are blinded. Those who don't know Jesus, their minds are blinded. They cannot see what is right in front of them. They cannot see what they are doing that is actually creating more trouble for themselves. They cannot see that they are carrying guilt and shame and condemnation. They cannot see that they are even separated from God. They can't see all of that. You try to show them spiritual truth, they just stare at you. Or they start talking about religion and church, and you're like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about what he's come to do for you. And they change the subject on you. Have you ever had that experience before? They don't understand because, as Paul said, their minds are blinded. He goes on in verse 16, and he says, what's happening actually is that a veil lies on their heart. Now, here's our heart and mind connection again from last week. When your thoughts are unclear, it's the result of a spirit or your heart being unclear. And when a person doesn't know who Jesus is, they don't have the thought capacity and strength to resolve the mental, emotional will issues that they're walking through. Because real freedom mentally, emotionally, and even in your own choices comes from the freedom you have in your spirit. Amen. This is where it comes from. And so Paul says, they're blinded in their mind, but actually there's a veil on their heart. This is the greater problem. Their heart is covered, hardened, resistant to Jesus. And because they won't receive him here, they are blinded here and in all that they do. Now, I thought we would illustrate this this morning. Let me um, grab something here. And then also, let me, um, I'm going to need some volunteers this morning. So let me start with, with one. Who wants to be the first volunteer? I think Emily raised her hand. Great. All right, come on up, Emily. <laughs> this will be awesome. All right, Emily. So let's do this. Let's, um, yeah, right there is perfect. You good for this? Okay, this is going to get weird. All right, I'm going to ask for some more volunteers a little bit. 
your other roles are not going to be as weird as hers. Okay? Oh, yeah. You see, Paul says that the person who does not know Jesus has a veil on their heart. Now, what's fascinating, we could go into some Old Testament history here. There, Paul is referring to a time when Moses had seen the glory of God. And it showed on his face. He was glowing with this glory, but in time it began to fade away. And so Moses put a veil over his face to hide the fact that the glory was fading. And Paul says, people that don't know Jesus, it's like a veil over their heart. So Emily, I'm sorry about this, but not sorry. Here you go. Here you go. A person who's lost can't see. They can't sense. Yeah, please don't go anywhere. Okay. They don't know what's right in front of them. They don't know what's all around them. They are missing out. In fact, this is where I need some more volunteers. So, Emily, why don't you turn just like this. Perfect. So, I need another couple of volunteers. Who'd like to do You don't have any other creepy things you have to do. All right, we'll take. All right, perfect, perfect. I need one more. I really need a woman for this last one here. Is there a, Oh, come on. Come on, man. Perfect. All right. All right, perfect. All right, Keith, let's put you right here. And I'm not going to tell Emily what. Can you see Emily? Can you see me? <laughs> She's, okay, good. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, she can breathe. You can breathe, right? She's fine. All right, come on. All right, come on up here. All right, perfect. I'm going to put, um, let's get all my props in place here. All right, you hold this. Perfect. All right, let her through. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I'm going to put you right back here with your arms out like this. Perfect. Now, you see, what Emily doesn't realize and what anyone doesn't realize when their heart is blinded is what is right in front of them. They can't see their sin, and they can't see the reality of Jesus in their life either. So right down here, what Emily can't see is here's Jesus ready to offer her hope and life and forgiveness and redemption of her life. She can't see it because she is so wrapped up in all of her own stuff. She's wrapped up in how much people have hurt her. She's wrapped up in what people ought to have done for her. She's wrapped up in how she feels about the situation. She's wrapped up in what she thinks ought to be happening, what everybody else ought to be doing. She can't see that Jesus is here to free her. She also can't see that the word of God is right here available to her. People try to speak truth to her and it doesn't have an impact on her life because she is blind in this moment. Her heart is not pierced. Her heart is not changed. And because her heart is hardened, even when someone speaks the word to her, she overlooks it, dismisses it, thinks it doesn't apply. She also doesn't realize that the Spirit of God is right here in the room as well. That the Spirit of God is right here surrounding her. That the Spirit of God is trying to point her and move her to the cross, that the Spirit of God is trying to encourage her to the Word, that the Spirit of God is here to help her. And as a result, when she is blinded in her heart, there's some real problems happening. Sorry, Spirit of God. She, in fact, is ending up, don't go anywhere, Emily. 
she is all wrapped up. She is all bound up. She's got addictions. She's got stuff going on in her life. She's got things that she's mad about. She's got things that she's upset about. And she is bound. It's not because she has a, an IQ issue. It's because she has a heart issue. Her heart is blinded to God. She's resistant. She's making the choice. I don't want to do what he says. And this is where many people live today. And it's sad because they're missing out on what is right in front of them. Now, Paul says this is exactly what's happening, that there's a veil that lies on their heart. And there's something that needs to happen in this moment. Because the word of God is available. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus are available. And the spirit of God is wooing and encouraging and speaking and wanting to help her. There's no lack here, here, or here. They are all doing what they are called to do. But their issue is here. She's refusing. What needs to happen is what we normally say. We just need the Spirit of God to move on their life. Amen? And that's true. That's what needs to happen. The Spirit of God needs to move on their life. But there's a second thing that needs to happen. She needs to respond to the Spirit of God. And when you see a person wrapped up in chains, there's no lack there, here, or here. It's not that the Spirit's not moving, but that she is resisting. Now, look what it said. Y'all all just stay right here. You're doing great. Look what Paul says next. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Again, no lack there, there, or here, but in her. But the moment that Emily says, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. The moment she says, Jesus, I need you, then the Spirit takes the veil away. Come on, Spirit. Do your thing. Oh, yeah. This is when the Spirit takes the veil away and then her eyes are opened because her heart changed. Amen? And now Emily can see what is right in front of her. She sees Jesus and what he has done for her. She sees the word of God and it begins to come alive for her. Things that she used to read and didn't make sense all of a sudden now click and she begins to understand what God is doing because her heart was turned to the Lord. This is what makes the difference. And then the Spirit begins another thing where the Spirit begins freeing her from all that is chaining her. So Spirit, you've got some work to do. There's some stuff going on here. But the Spirit is powerful. The Spirit is wise. The Spirit knows exactly what to do. Because when you turn and you keep turning, the Spirit will keep removing. And the Spirit will keep un unbinding you. And the Spirit will eventually get to the place where you are listening and you are believing and you are trusting. And Emily will be free. Amen. Amen. Good job. Hey, give a hand to all these volunteers up here. Thank y'all very much. I'll take that. It's good. This is the process of freedom. And it all hinges on this when one turns to the Lord.
Now, this is true when a person is lost, but it's also true as you and I walk with the Lord. Because you and I may still have some areas that we are not quite free yet. Amen? There's some areas we're still growing in. And the thing that got you free to begin with is the thing that will keep helping you be more free the further you walk. You keep turning to the Lord. You stop turning to all that you used to turn to. You don't turn to all those vices, all those things, all those things that you use to try to free your heart that weren't working. You turn to the Lord. Now, here's what happens, verse 17. It says, when we do that, now the Lord is the Spirit. The Spirit was up here. You saw the Spirit moving. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty because the Spirit keeps setting free. The Spirit keeps unbinding you. The Spirit keeps encouraging you. And here's the result, the fruit. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Hold on, before we go any further. What is this mirror? This is the mirror. This is the mirror that you and I look into. And as I look into it, it's showing me a reflection of myself. I see myself in it. I see myself in need of a savior. I see myself in need of redemption. I see myself in need of transformation. But I also see something else in this mirror. I look into this mirror and I see Jesus in here. And this mirror is unusual because I see myself and I see Jesus in here. And a funny thing happens that the more I keep looking and beholding the mirror, something starts happening. The more I look at the glory of Jesus in the mirror, here's what he says happens. And we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. The more I keep looking here and seeing Jesus, the more I keep looking here and seeing this is for me, and more I start looking and seeing the glory, then it starts changing me. It starts changing how I think. It starts changing how I feel. It starts changing me at the core of who I am, and I start looking a little more like Jesus. I'm transformed into that image from glory to glory. Step by step, all in the process. And this is what you and I are called to, this kind of ongoing change in our life by looking into the mirror. Amen? Now, with all that as our setup, I do want you to hear a story this morning. So I'm going to clear the stage a little bit. We're going to get some chairs set up. I want to invite Austin Holtzman to the stage this morning. Austin and Malia will be baptized this morning. But Austin has a story of what God has done in his life. And God is working powerfully in both of their lives. And uh, Austin has agreed to tell part of that story this morning. So we'll get Austin all comfortable here. Y'all give a hand to Austin. Thank you, sir. Yeah, have a seat, Austin. And I'll give you this right here. You good? I'm nervous now. <laughs> it got real, huh? So, Austin, uh, go ahead and introduce your family so everybody knows uh, who you are. My name is Austin. I got my beautiful wife behind Mr. Jerry here in the second row. Wave. Yeah. We've been married almost 10 years in, in September. Yeah, awesome. We got three beautiful kids, Levi, Charlie, and Landon. Mm -hmm. Levi's 
eight, Charlie's six, and Landon's about to be four. Nice. And tell everybody where you live. We live in Highland Village. Do you guys know where that is? How far is Highland Village from here? Without traffic, it's an hour. Uh, if you guys know where Lake Louisville, you go up 35, go through Dallas, past Dallas, and keep driving. If you get to Denton, you went a little too far. Wow. Okay, there you go. A little context this morning. Now, tell us about growing up, Austin. What was your involvement, family involvement in church? We didn't really have any involvement in church. Uh, my parents, my dad was, uh, I call him a super Jew because he was 100% Jewish. Okay. My mom didn't really do anything. Her dad was a Buddhist. Wow. And we did Hanukkah and Christmas for the fun of it, more of a tradition, but not anything further. Okay. All right. So... Not a lot church involvement, I guess, as we understand church today then. It was almost opposite because my dad was, oh, church people are hypocrites mm -hmm. and out for your money. And so I even had a negative approach towards going to church. Okay. All right. And that's all the way through child years, teen years, especially. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So 2009, a couple of things happened. Talk about what happens um, for the good in 2009 in your life. So I was uh, driving around selling life insurance door to door and that was a tough job and ended up talking to somebody that gave me a book called Purpose Driven Life. And I had a cancellation appointment. I'm sitting there at a McDonald's. I do not like McDonald's. I don't know why I was even there. I'm reading Purpose Driven Life and gave myself to the Lord and just started crying. Wow. In a McDonald's. In a McDonald's. So some good can come out of McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Okay. So that is a great thing in 2009. Yeah. Um, 2009 is also a year some not so good things happen. Talk about that for just a moment. Met another client. Okay that uh, introduced me to, can we say marijuana, or should we say sure. weed? Or no, well, you, okay. you, you just said both. Okay. And uh, <laughs> that kind of started off as something to do, and then it became a necessity, and it continued on for 14 years, real solid. Wow. Now this was, I don't know how far you want to go with this, who this client was, or what this client, no. the background no? Okay. No. That's fine. Um, irrelevant to the story. Yep. Um, so you begin smoking marijuana. Is this casual? Is this... It started out casual, and then it became, as I'm learning, it kind of grew roots. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, talked to a lot of different people, and I... it's always been like, okay, we should probably not be doing this because it eventually took hold of my life, and it was a uh, every day, all day, wake and bake kind of thing. You smoke in the morning with your cup of coffee, and you smoke before you go to bed, and everything in between. Wow. So this is just your life then? Yes. And you're single at the time? Yes. Just doing your thing, working and smoking. Right. Okay. So we fast forward a little bit. You meet Malia, and you're married in 2013. This is four years later. It was wonderful, yes. Yeah, that was a good yeah. thing. Yes. But still smoking marijuana. Yes. 
What is Malia's response to this? Well, because it's something you could hide. No, I didn't try to hide it, and she wasn't interested in it. She didn't want to smoke. It was she wanted me to make it very clear. Mm-hmm. She wasn't participating, so okay. uh, she didn't want to see it. I got to go to my notes here. Okay. Yeah, she wasn't for it. Uh, she didn't condemn me for it. She, she did or did she not? did not. Did not. She did not condemn me for it. And I actually got upset a little bit about that because it might have been easier to quit if she got upset with me about it, you know? Okay. But she didn't condemn me for it. She didn't want to see it. She always said, well, that's your breakthrough. That's your choice. Mm. Wow. And in the background, she was praying for me. Wow. But I didn't really know that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're a believer, but this is just part of your life going on. Oh, yeah. I went to uh, Covenant Church in Carrollton, and there were lots of great guys that gave me great advice and told me that that's okay because Mm. that's a plant, and God made the plant, and that's okay. Wow. So people in the church are encouraging you. They didn't discourage me. but Uh, Okay, okay. They, so it was very tough, and depending on who you talk to, some people said it's okay, and some people didn't say anything. Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. So this moves along, and, and we're fast-forwarding a lot here out of Austin's life, but let's fast-forward all the way up to 2022. We're just a couple of years back. So right after COVID. Yes. Yes. Uh, I could never find like a good solid church that we could go to that we had community with. Mm. And so after you guys opened back up, we started watching your services online. Mm. And it was... Probably should give a little context of how in the world do you find some church in Ovilla. Okay. And (laughs) So Malia, my wife, went with Brianna to high school at Ovilla Baptist. Yeah, Ovilla Christian School. And... So Brianna's our daughter. So we had known Malia back in her high school years. But when they got married and moved away, we didn't keep up a whole lot with what was going on. But 2022... We we went to my church, and that didn't work out. So it was her turn to pick the church. And so that's <laughs> kind of how it happened. <laughs> and so we were watching it online, and I'm kind of more of a in-your-face, in-person, let's do this. Right. And... With little kids, it's hard to focus online. So we started making the drive down here. Wow. And that was tough, so we didn't really go every Sunday and kind of worked our way into it. Yeah, okay. And and that's back when we're just doing one service, so you're driving down when you can. Yep. But then um, you find out that there's a men's breakfast on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m., yeah, I was very excited about it because I've always wanted to go to a, a men's meeting. Yeah. And uh, that was hard because I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to be able to make my coffee, to even function, to be able to get in the car to drive an hour to get down here for it. And I wanted to be there 15 minutes early so I could talk to you and yeah. meet everybody and yeah. before the breakfast started. Yeah. And, and he did, whether it was raining or sleeting or it was 102 outside he was still doing it and coming down now what what's is there anything else is driving this behind the scenes why why church now besides it's malia's turn well uh we 
I started in the beginning of 2022, we started, I started going to the men's meeting and it was kind of sporadic. I'd go once and then I'd miss for three weeks and then I'd miss, I'd go and then miss for two weeks. It was, it was hard to get up and get there Yeah, being an hour drive. And then afterwards I was just so tired trying to work and focus and drive back and not fall asleep and the yeah. drive back you if i didn't wait a little bit it'd be an hour and a half to drive through dallas traffic wow. so it was really really yeah. tough but things started getting a little tougher f- for me and the family because we ended up getting squatters in our property that we had so an hour north of our house uh we had a rental property and these wonderful folks decided to move in our house and not pay us anything. Without and your permission, they just Without moved our in. permission, they moved in. I ended up getting them to sign a lease, which actually got things moving faster, but they were illegally dogfighting on the property. One of these guys was... You know, he was doing all kinds of illegal stuff, and it was just a really bad deal. So that happened in the beginning of November. Mm. And then Malia got pregnant Mm. in November. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to cry. Yeah, that's okay if you do. So (laughs) I decided to fast Mm. smoking marijuana. I was going to fast. Yeah. And at that time, for some reason, I came to Jerry's table instead of the other table. I just switched tables. Yeah. And Jerry started talking to me about, no, you can't fast that. And he's trying to explain to me why. He goes, that's something you quit. And he started not just speaking truth, but talking to me and following up with me almost daily, right? Mm. Mm. So I decided to quit. Mm. And then I thought it would get easier. Yeah. No. So I quit beginning of January. Of 2023. Of 2023. And then Malia had her miscarriage mid-January and then I quit again January 15th and then we finally got some traction with the squatters and we started going to court during the miscarriage and I don't know if you guys ever been to court before but it's five times more stressful than sitting up here on stage (laughs) because you have this other person that's doing all these things sitting right there giving you guys the stink eye and you got attorneys and you're paying thousands of dollars Mm. in attorney's fees and we just had our miscarriage Mm. And then we find out that it's not just a miscarriage. She has a heart issue condition called SVT. And you can't really have a safe pregnancy with having that SVT. So you actually have to get a surgery for it that's $15,000 for this surgery. And it's a 50-50 chance it works. And so it made the miscarriage even a more bigger deal. Yeah. 
And then she had complications from the miscarriage that took months after that. And we're just going through all of this. And there's no way I would have been able to keep it all together without the support of Jerry and the men's group. Yeah. If I missed one week, I would have five, six guys calling and texting me and checking on me. And if you're a guy and you're not going to this men's group, man, it's worth getting up for. It's literally changed my life. Wow. Wow. Because of that support. I mean, it's amazing because they're guys going through the same thing. We're just being real and talking to each other and... Iron sharpening iron. I mean, it, it, I'm yeah, blessed that right. you put that together. And Pastor Nick, Brother Nick, cooking for everybody every morning. I mean, it's just a really good time. And it's yeah. it's powerful. Yeah. And so God's worked in your life since January. Fast forward a little bit and tell us what's happened since then. Um, well... Real estate is, I'm a realtor, and so interest rates skyrocketed, and we're paying not only our mortgage on our house, we're paying the mortgage on our rental property, which is 3500 plus the insurance on that. And did you know you can't shut off the water or the electric on your squatters that are living in your house and not paying you bills because they have rights. Wow. And so we're having to pay all this money, not making any money, but somehow God provided we didn't go without anything. We really didn't. And it was incredible. Mm. Um, Attorney's fees, doctor bills from the miscarriage and all our complications. And Mm. I didn't smoke once through that whole thing. Mm. Amen. And... Finally, finally in May, so November, January, February, March, April, May, six months, six months, we're being strong, we're believing, we're believing that God's going to get rid of them, and we evicted them finally in May. And... And the crazier part was as Pastor Brian and I are preparing and going through all this, we put it up on the market. We've had people looking at the house and they would look at it and give us these low ball offers. And I was like, no, no, Malia, this, this is not the right offer. God's going to give us the right offer. And we, even though we didn't have the extra money, we didn't take it. Mm. And we'd wait. And we got finally got the right offer. It felt right. The, the other realtors actually was a pastor for 20 years. Mm. Like it, everything, it was a God thing. It was yeah. meant to be. We accept their offer. We closed in less than 30 days. It was under contract. And it was supposed to close tomorrow. And as Pastor Brian and I are talking to plan all this out, I was like, it would really be awesome 
it would just be amazing if we could just close that chapter. I want to. I don't want to get baptized until we sell the house. But we weren't supposed to close till tomorrow. But we actually closed on Friday because they wanted to move it up. Wow, that's awesome. And this is whole. This is not just events happening. This is real faith for you because you're praying. You both are. You're praying and believing and trusting God in this process. And not only in that, we even we did real fasts. We I didn't just fast marijuana. Uh, I fasted sugar for a month. Mm. Levi, my eight-year-old, stood with me and fasted sugar. My eight-year-old, Malia, fasted social media, which is probably harder than me quitting marijuana. And <laughs> nothing on Malia, though. Right? Yeah. But she'll tell her story later. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was just super having major faith in God, just pulling us closer, pulling us closer. Mm. And it hurt. Yeah. But we got through it. You did. So today you're here making this declaration of your faith to be baptized. And Malia's going to join you. What does this mean to you to be baptized today? We close that chapter. I am being uh, what's transform to yeah. be more like Jesus. Yeah. And I know it's not, it's at the beginning. It's not the end. Yeah. And uh, Psalms 30 kinds of sums it up for me. Mm-hmm. I was reading this this morning when I was drinking my coffee. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me up out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead, and you spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people, and praise his holy name. And that sums it up. That's so good. So you put your faith in Christ sometime back, but this is your genuine declaration to a church family today. I have trusted Jesus. He has resurrected me from the dead. And that's what baptism is a picture of. It's a picture of Jesus' death and resurrection. But it's a picture of your death to who you were and resurrection to who you now are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Jerry is going to baptize Austin today. So, Jerry, you come on up. I'll take this for you. I'll take this. Yeah. So, Jerry, whatever you'd like to say to Austin this morning, and Malia, if you want to come join us up here. Get in, brother. You got me tearing up today, too. So, it's good. Get through this. I don't want to miss my words here that I, that I wrote for you. You're an inspiration to me. You should be an inspiration to every man and woman in this room. Your commitment has been huge. You said some of the things I wrote, but I want to repeat them because they're so meaningful. 
When I first met you on that Wednesday morning many months ago, you were defeated, distraught, dejected man, living in a lot of dis-ease. However, I saw a man who was committed to something better. I saw a man who was desiring change. I saw a man who got up early and drove over an hour every day to be there early. And then do it again on Sunday mornings to bring your family. I saw a man who was willing to have some hard truth poured into him by other brothers and accepting it and applying what you heard. I saw a man who chose to die to his own selfish desires. I saw a man who wanted to become a godly husband and a godly father. I saw a man change his priorities. It wasn't easy, and there were some very tough days. And here we are today, a peaceful man, overflowing with God's fullness and giving to others. Yeah. And for me, it's such a joy and an honor and a blessing to share this moment with you. And Austin, based on your belief in Jesus Christ that you have, I now baptize you Amen. in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ. Risen to a new life. That's beautiful. Good stuff. Now we're going to baptize Malia. So Malia, step on in. Yeah, go ahead. Malia has a story also, and one day you'll hear it. And it is powerful what God has done in her life. We've had the privilege of knowing her since she was in high school. And when you hear the story, you will glorify God for what he has done in setting her free. But Malia, what a day to see your husband fully committed to Jesus Christ and you today making this public statement before a church. There's lots of love in the room for both of you guys and prayers for both of you. I know you've put your faith in Jesus and I know you follow him with all your life. So today, I'm excited to baptize you, Malia, as my sister in Christ. You are buried with him in baptism, and you are raised to walk in newness of life.